Well, while the team back there is working hard to make sure my microphone is recording, um, it is already on our uh, church center app, the giving for the youth lock-in. So if you have the church center app on your phone or on our website at cornerstonebeulah.com, it is part of giving. Even if you text to give, you can. I think you can type in youth lock-in or it's number nine. I mean, you'll get where you can use that. But see how nice that can you probably can't see that at all, can you? Okay, then. Um, for the blind ones, see, there's $20, and then you can just choose what it's going to. I'll read it, see, and down at the bottom. So you scroll down, and you can check what account you want it to go to. So are we ready? Are we good? Are we recording? All right. Well, today is week two of our current series we're on, titled The Kingdom in us, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, um, and then I'll even read if you want to put a finger or a ribbon over in Titus chapter 2, and we'll get to those in a minute. Um, but the series is based off from the scripture in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, that says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So through the series, we're going to talk about things like the kingdom of God is light, which is what we covered last week. The kingdom is righteousness. We'll talk this week. And then we'll go into the kingdom is peace. The kingdom is joy. And then we'll finish with the kingdom is in us. In Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, it says, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation." Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he told them, go and preach the kingdom of God is here, wherever they go. Wherever we go, in him, he is. His kingdom is. His rule, his reign, his will done in us and through us. So last week, uh, we talked about the kingdom is light. And based off from Matthew chapter 13, we looked at these illustrations that Jesus used to describe the kingdom of God is light. And I have to apologize, last week, technical difficulties, it was not recorded so if you're listening online or you missed last week and you, you want to try to find it, you won't find it online. I'm sorry. Um, but if you want my notes, I can expound on them a little bit more so it makes more sense to you. Um, I will email those to you. So just contact the office, um, email me, um, you know, call us, whatever, and I'll email those notes over after I add a little bit more. 
detail in there for you. Sometimes I just put, tell this story, you know, so I'll hopefully give you a little bit more detail, but I'll email those to you. Uh, because it really is, and I'll share a little bit, uh, we have to understand the kingdom of God, not just hear it, and that's what he shared in uh, verse 19 of chapter 13. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one will come and snatch away that word that was thrown in your heart. And in verse 23, he says, but the one who received the seed or who hears the message about the kingdom of God and understands it, he produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. See, Jesus makes this extremely important point before he begins this, those illustrated lessons on the kingdom of heaven. By sharing with them, it's not enough to just hear. You have to hear and understand. And understanding means to apply it. To begin walking it out. Take those like the yeast that, you know, he talked about that works through the entire dough. Like the seed he talked about. You have to plant it. You have to water it. You have to tend to it. And then it will produce this huge tree. And so I summed up last week by this paragraph. The kingdom of heaven is like. It may seem like a small mustard seed, but when you hear understand and apply its knowledge to your life, you will become a large tree that angels will come and abide with. So take it, use it, mix the principles of the kingdom of heaven into your whole life. For the world is the Lord's and everything in it, and you have been redeemed, purchased with the richest treasures of heaven, the blood of Jesus. For you are that pearl of great price. And be on your guard. With you are weeds, fish of all kinds. Who say they are with you but are not of his kingdom. Don't get distracted by them. Or allow them to choke the kingdom out of you. The angels will come. Separate them from among you. And they will be thrown into the fiery furnace at the end of the age. So don't let your heart become callous. Don't just hear. Hear and understand. And apply it to your whole life. The secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Which are. So this week we're going to focus on the kingdom is righteous. I really wanted to throw it around and, and start with the kingdom is joy. Because this whole last week was the week of the Feast of Ingathering, which is all about a celebration, joy. And so it's an annual festival that is just, I mean, you're commanded by God to be joyful. I mean, hello. So I just, I, that's, I, I love it. But I stayed true to form and to what I said last week. And so we're going to focus on the kingdom is righteousness. So I want to show you why you want righteousness, what righteousness is, and how to walk in righteousness. All right? In Matthew 6.33, why you want righteousness. We are commanded to seek first. Seek first his kingdom and especially his righteousness. And all these 
thing, quote unquote thing, will be added to you. And what he was sharing with us in uh, Matthew chapter 6, those things, is he was going on and on about why do you worry? Why do you fret? Why do you have anxiety? Why are you so concerned over what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear? I mean, remember, the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of what you eat, what you drink, all this stuff, all these things. Seek first his kingdom and especially his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. You don't have to seek after the things. The things will come seeking after you. I like it. I think it's in, it's in um, Psalms that it says like a tidal wave behind you. The blessings will overtake you. I like that. I like that. So you have to just focus on his kingdom. You just have to focus on his, especially his righteousness. And all those things will overtake you. Now, why do we want to even talk about those things? Well, because we're not stupid. You know? We, we don't need to talk about it, worry about it, fret about it, but we also don't need to, you know, turn our nose up to him either. He says, I want to do that. I want to bless you. Why? So you'll be a blessing. So why do you want righteousness? Why should we especially seek after his righteousness? In Proverbs chapter 3, I believe it is. No, 8. Sorry. There's 10 things, and we shared about this a little bit on Wednesday night, um, Wisdom, 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 wisdom. Over and over again in the book of Proverbs, it says wisdom cries out, calls out. Here I am. You who lack knowledge, you simpleton, you, you know. Why, why do you worry? Here, let me just put it in my translation. Why do you worry and fret and try to chase after all these things? I have it all right here. Here I am. It says wisdom's call over and over again. And it says, with wisdom is, and it lists in chapter 8, 10 things. With wisdom. So it's like, you know, you ever saw that game show behind door number 1, 2, or 3, doors closed, now choose which one you want. Well, don't you want to just say, can you just let me begin to them, and then I'll, I'll make a decision, right? Right? Because I don't want the, you know, and then that show, I think at one time they'd put a donkey behind a door. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, it's like, oh, I didn't want that one. Well, this is it. Wisdom swings wide open the door and says, here's ten things I have with me if you'll just seek me. And in these ten things, and I didn't notice it until I was reading this morning, five have to do with spiritual and emotional, or your spirit and your soul, and five, physical, body, earthly, now. And so I don't have time to read it, I'll write it down, it's in verses 12 through 21, but the ten things are knowledge, discretion, wise counsel, sound judgment, Understanding, spiritual, emotional, or soul, spirit, and soul. The last five, power, riches, honor, enduring wealth, and prosperity. Sound like anything you want? Hello. 
And in verse 20 and 21, it says, I wisdom, I wisdom, walk in the way of righteousness along the path of judges, bestowing wealth on those who love me, making their treasuries full. With me, I have all the, in my right hand is this, in my left hand is this. I have ten things. And she says, you know where to find me? I walk with the righteous. I walk in the path of the of righteousness. So stop seeking after all these things. They'll be in the path of righteousness. Walking in righteousness. Wisdom. And let me remind you, there's knowledge and there's wisdom. Knowledge is the um, learned truth or the revealed truth. It's something you study, gain knowledge uh, with a textbook about us something you know or the bible about wisdom is knowing when to use that truth or that or that uh, now something uh, I don't know I might be sharing Wednesday you have to have knowledge in order to have faith you have to know something exists before you can have faith to believe it can. I might expound on that more on Wednesday night, but you can't. That blind faith that, you know, I can separate my faith from my mind and that makes it even greater is just stupid. That twice I've said stupid. I'm so sorry. I won't say stupid no more. That's stupid. I won't say that. <laughs> Faith has to first start in knowledge. It's the substance of. It's the evidence of. It has to have form. It has to have substance. What? That it was said. The revealed truth. The revealed knowledge. It has to have that truth. That it can then hold on to, and then it can walk out, which is that's the wisdom, the walking out of using the revealed. Okay, the all ear, eyes, headlights. <laughs> so, why do you want righteousness? All those things. I know you're not seeking after the thing. Why did you talk about the thing? I guess I'm the only human one here. That I don't mind. Well, it's probably because my love language is gift, right? So I like gifts. I like, you know, presents. And I like all that stuff. I'm sorry. I do. I like get them. I like give them. I'm sorry. And you know what? I know as a mom. I really like giving good things to my kids. And I like to see them enjoying those things. God's part is the same way. You think he likes us miserable, stripped, naked, wallowing in self-pity of what, you know, I wish. Uh, no. No. So it's his heart. 
you want to. And where, where does all those things first his kingdom? Especially his righteousness. And these things, if you can just picture, I'm keeping my focus here because he'll take care of when and what comes my way. Okay, so what is righteousness? Righteousness plucked out of our sin that was bound for hell and placed in right standing with God. Reconciled. Righteousness, right standing before God in his presence, free of guilt, free of sin. Righteousness, the state of being that continues to walk in accord with God. Right standing as God in the world. So it's reconciled with God, right standing before God, sin, guilt, and right standing as God in this world. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I thought I forgot about it, didn't I? We have to make it a legal meeting. <laughs> read from the scripture. Starting at verse 17, chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, well, you know, I can't start with a therefore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you look back up at 15, he says he died, and he died, who? Jesus. Died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And goes on, no one, we don't regard anyone from this worldly point of view, which just means once we live for him, once we accept his sin offering, we're dead to self. And Anna's dead to herself and dead, dead to himself. You know? So we don't regard each other according to the flesh anymore. Once we have a new life, we look at each other as new in Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin, or be the sin offering for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Keep reading. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. 
And in the day of salvation, I help you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. Father, we just ask right now that you continue to open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds to receive this seed, this word, this message about the kingdom, that we can understand it and apply it and walk it out. Your kingdom come now in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you notice all that statements about reconciliation? Did you notice the statements about his righteousness? That it first comes by God reconciling us to him. Righteousness is us being in right standing with him. And it's also that we can stand right in his presence before him free of all sin. So before him. And righteousness... It says reconciling the world as if God himself were speaking through you as God. Speaking to the world. That's how we walk in righteousness in the world. As God. I know. Wow. In verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, uh, I urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. This is all that he's talking about is all done by God. It says all this, all this is all done by God. What do you do? Receive. Oh, what can I do? You don't earn it. You can't be good enough to deserve it. It's all by grace. It's all by faith. You simply receive and walk in it. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So here it is. What is righteousness? Right standing with God. Reconciled. Right standing before God. Free of sin and guilt. And right standing as God in this world. He said we are Christ's ambassadors. Carrying his As God. And remember those little bracelets? I don't know. Maybe we should get back to that. He says, I implore you. You understand that as a Christian, you are the representative, the little Christ to the world. You are Jesus with skin on. I mean, did you hear that? The one time, the story about the little child who, going through a thunderstorm, kept running into, you know, daddy's bedroom and jumping up in daddy's bed and holding, and he kept taking the child back to his room and and ensuring him he's safe, it's okay, you know, nothing's gonna hurt you, you can stay here and back to his bedroom, and the child ran in again with the next lightning strike and thunder. And he assured him again, why are you scared? There's nothing to be scared of. Jesus is always with us. He says, yeah, but right now I want Jesus with skin. 
And that's what we are to the world. He says, as if God himself was speaking through you. We are, and I know some people's going, to the other side, and now, oh, you know, now it's new age. You know, they're preaching that, you know, they are little God. Actually, we're pretty big God. Because we're part of a pretty big God. Not little G God. The big G God. And Jesus' prayer is that he would be in us, we would be in him, all of us together, everywhere we go. He is. His kingdom is in us. He is in us. And he called us Christ's ambassador. Which means that we go as if God himself were there. That's what an ambassador does. He goes in title, he goes in authority, he goes in power as if the king, the ruler, you know, the one that he's the delegate of, was there making the decision. That's what we are. He called us that. So then how do we walk in righteousness? And I'll focus on that again in verse 1. It says, we urge you not to receive God's Grace in vain. So how do we walk in this righteousness? I mean, how do we walk out into the world as God? You know, it certainly wasn't like the Pharisees or the Sadducees that, you know, put all this robes and garments and stuff. And I think they even had these little boxes of scripture that they would put with ribbon or whatever and tie around their head to show everybody that, you know, God's word is written on their mind. Come on. You know, and I think it was around their waist, too, that they would tie these, like, I can't think of what it was called. But so it was everywhere. So everyone could see that they were holy men. Is that what we're supposed to do? And he talked about the grace. So how do we do that, that we need this grace? This grace is the divine empowerment. See, it's not enough for somebody to throw a title. I mean, you can go back to your computer today and create yourself a name tag, right? Put a name tag on with a nice old title and go walking around. But if you have no authority behind you, what are you going to do? I mean... Somebody could come in here now wearing a police officer's uniform. But until I see his credentials, the authority that you carry, your credentials, you can't do anything. You carry nothing. Same thing he's saying that grace is your credentials. The authority, the power to do what you're commanded to do. See, in Titus, I told you I would go there. Chapter 2, starting at verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no 
to ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The grace of God, the divine supernatural empowerment, the power to do, to walk in righteousness, to fulfill the law in us. Romans, I believe it's chapter 3, it talked about this, he, he got into this contradiction in a lot of people that are faith only, faith only, you don't have to do anything, it's faith only, or they'll throw it out there, grace only, everything's under grace, you can do whatever you want to do as long as you have your get out of jail free card or your get out of hell free card, that it's all faith, we'll use the scripture and leave it from now you're going to make me look it up. I believe it's Romans chapter 3. Yep. Um, because Paul made the... Paul, who, the writer of Romans... Yeah, the Holy Spirit. That's right. Talked about... Um, the message we have here is a message... Of faith. Just faith. Just faith. But if you keep reading in chapter 3, he goes on to say, uh, So, verse 31, do we nullify the law? See, it's not about law. That's what they'll start preaching. You don't have to do anything. It's not about the law. Law is Old Testament. You don't have to do any of that anymore. It's all faith, faith, faith. But he said, so what do we do? do? We nullify the law by this faith. And he screams out, exclamation point, not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Now, let's just think about that. The law, the covenant, the Ten Commandments, right? Um, if that was true, that means you can go ahead and murder whoever you want Go ahead and sleep with whoever you want to. Adulteries. Go ahead and have many gods before you. That's all okay. Can you see the Bible saying that at all? No. Now you're sitting there thinking the same thing I am. That that's just... Oh, I'm glad I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> Come on. So the people who say that the old... That the law was Old Testament. We don't have to. We don't fulfill the old law anymore. What it's talking about is the sacrifices for our sin. When the Bible talks about the old law, the old covenant, doing away with, it's talking about those blood sacrifices. Why? Because there's been one now that brings on the new covenant was not talking at all about doing away with living according to God's commandment. Because Jesus even preached. You've heard it said. Do not commit adultery. 
if he was doing away with all the commandments, he would say, you don't have to abide by that anymore. Don't you think he was smart enough to be able to tell us that? But he says, you've heard it said, don't commit, uh, don't, don't kill, don't murder. I say, now I want you to even know what goes on on the inside is just as important as what you do on the outside. He says it's not, it's not good enough to just not murder someone because if you say you hate your brother or sister, you've already committed murder in your heart and that's not okay. So he actually took one step further. You know, old commandment, the old law was all about the do's and the acts, right? But he merged faith and action. And that's what this whole walking in righteousness is all about over and over and over and over again. Through the, the uh, disciples, through the apostles, through the New Testament, you'll see it's not faith alone. It's faith and deeds. Faith and deeds. James, I think chapter 5, is all about that. I love that. It's faith and deeds. Faith and deeds. They have to go hand in hand. You can't just say you believe and not do. It's not enough anymore. The greatest commandment is to when Jesus what is that was the ESPN notification again. Same thing that happened last week about this time, wasn't it? Did you hear it? Oh, okay, so it wasn't just me. Find out who that is. Oh, oh, it's your phone that's up here. Neil. Is it saying the game's getting ready to start? Okay. I have time to adjust my lineup if I need to. Okay. Um, sorry. I know. What was I saying? Focus here. <clears throat> the greatest commandment. When they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Where did that come from? Oh, Old Testament. Yes. Old Testament. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Where was he put in the context of that? Where did he put that statement? Oh, right with the Ten Commandments. You know? It's like, hello. But he's already trying to say, you know, you yes. Okay, going in. And then he said, and the second is just like it. Love others as you'd love yourself. And I know I, I've said this kind of jokingly, but um, let's just all agree. Are we a selfish generation? Okay, at least think about your neighbor. Yes. Okay. Or your kids. Yeah. Okay. We are a selfish people. I know that we've preached it. I still preach it. That we need to love, you can't love somebody unless you're loved, you know, you can love yourself. And until you get that all right, then you can't really love others. Yeah. But I think there's an ant 
um, why don't you try loving others as selfishly as you love yourself? Hmm. But I'm tired. I don't feel it. Okay. Well, do you think maybe your brother's tired or your sister's tired or pastor's tired? How about you go let them have a break like you would want a break for yourself? Well, I just want to go out and have a shopping spree. Well, how about you give that somebody else so they can go out and have a shopping spree? Why don't you love others as selfishly as you love yourself? Anyway, that, that was a free nugget. It had nothing to do with what I was saying. I'm trying to tell you, love God, love others. That was the focus. Love God, love others. Love God, faith. Love others, physical action. You can't love others here without action. You can say, oh, I love you. But if you do nothing to prove that love, how long are they going to believe you? I mean, we know this, raising children, that you can't just stand over the crib. Here's some advice for the new mamas to be, okay? You will not be able to stand over that crib when they're screaming, bloody murder. I love you. And they're, they're going, okay, thank you, mommy. No, they're like, feed me, right? Change my diaper, pick me up. You know, if they could speak right then, you know, it'd be easier. But, no, you can't just say, you're going to need action with that. So, faith, love God, and action, deeds, love each other. The greatest command, faith. That's how we walk in righteousness. First John 3, 7 says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. That's pretty simple. Remember when the first two brothers mentioned in the Bible, right? Cain and Abel, right? Abel took his first. Abel took his best, offered it before God. Cain, his brother, jealous, mad. How come you look at, and he's telling God, how come you like my brother's offering, but you don't like my offering? And God, in his profound wisdom, says, you know, if you just do right, won't you be accepted? Just do what you know you're supposed to do. Do right. But then he warned him that if you don't, sin is always crouching at your door. And its desire is to devour you. Have take you out. But if do what is right. Sin can't come any closer than that doorway. But he didn't. Right? Didn't listen to him. What did he do? First murder took place because of jealousy. Like, me. Oh, I already showed you where Jesus said, you say you hate someone in your heart, you've already murdered them. One of the apostles, uh, did I even write down what book that was? 
First John, chapter three, fifteen. Uh, it says that if you, anyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. Made it that simple. Sin is always crouching at your door. We have a real enemy, and his desire is to have you to steal, kill, and destroy. But see, if we're always face into the doorway, staring at the enemy, screaming at him, stay back, stay back, stay back, we're going to get burnt out, tired, and probably titled a little crazy. Little. The people in the grocery store will go down the other aisle. There she is. Right? Because you're always screaming at the enemy who's standing in the doorway, which if you just do right, then can't come in. If you do what is right, the word says, you will be right. Just as he is right. His kingdom. His kingdom. And especially his righteousness. His righteousness being that we are standing reconciled. He's reconciled us to him. We're standing with him. We're standing free of all sin, free of all guilt before him. And we're standing as him. As his ambassador in the world, walk in righteousness, walking as him. Yeah, I'm just going to close. I don't, I don't want to go any farther. I, in uh, the Second Corinthians 6 that we read, in, in those last few verses, it talked about now is your day. Now is the day of the Lord's favor. Now is the day of your salvation. Written over 2,000 years ago, right? Now is just as much now as it was then. That was the... It, it was said of him that he was going to reconcile the world back to God. That he was going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The goodness of God leads men to repent. And today is the day of your through you to the world. 
here thinking that righteousness is um, a matter, only a matter of the heart. You haven't heard half of the message. It's not just a matter of the heart. It is a matter of the heart and it is a matter or a call to action.
reconciled to you. Listen, listen. 